I'm Zach. I'm Riff. I'm Jim. And I'm Kevin. And it's time for episode number 279 of Video Games Hot Dog, a podcast about video games. How's it going, guys? We're uh, we're recording in the middle of the friggin' morning, yeah. which hardly ever happens. Uh, we uh, Kevin and I are going to PAX East tomorrow to show our video game, West of Loathing, in the indie mega booth. Yep. Uh, Riff and Jim are not. Why aren't you guys going to PAX East? Yeah. Uh, I just got out of GDC. That's enough bullshit for... One month. Oh. You don't want to sh- I'm show sorry that, the frogs. I'm sorry that you think video game fans are bullshit, okay. Jim. Yeah, they're way worse than actual developers. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Always coming up and telling you they appreciate your work uh, and that it spoke to them on, on a deep level. Uh, Asking if somebody they can buy you a beer. Somebody recognized me in Chipotle. Or I really like your fart jokes. Can I, <laughs> can I give you money for them? <laughs> it is actually super weird to be recognized on the street. Like, that, uh, this is not related per se but that guardian article i was at guardian oh yeah was Chris really Priestman. good yeah yeah no he was writing emails to, we, we went back and forth like 11 email exchanges oh, nice. like with follow-up questions I've, it was very in-depth I've seen this some, is the one some, that's like inside the sexy boy behind frog fractions yeah, too uh-huh. okay the, yeah. chris priestman article chris priestman's done some good stuff in the past time did he make that movie priest yes yeah that makes sense right yeah mm. Um, yep. You know, like Alfred Psycho Man made that movie <laughs> yeah. Psycho. That's how movies work. Yep. He, he was also like let go from Kill Screen right after publishing another piece about Frog Fraction. So I guess I'm glad he found a place oh. for this other one. Oh, man. Maybe this will get him fired from The Guardian. Yeah. Oh, if only. <laughs> that could be my legacy. <laughs> well, I'll link to that in the, the show notes. The of destruction <laughs> yeah. wherever you to go. Just get, just, but just this guy. Just get this guy fired over oh, yeah. and over and over uh-huh. again. Yeah, oh, You're like his personal rain cloud. Right. <laughs> yeah, GDC happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, it did you seems... attend GDC, Jim, or did you? were you just adjacent? I actually had a badge this year because I was on the the um, IGF jury. Right. And, that, and with that came a badge. A badge. Okay. And also fame and fortune. Nice. I want to be the IGF executioner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, let's just stop doing the, Was How was the IGF this year? I mean, you know that... You know my in, feelings. Internally? My feelings is that the IGF is a popularity contest that happens and is won six months before the IGF happens. That is absolutely true. Like, the voting happens about six months before... <laughs> But um, it, it's been years since I heard of any games as a result of the IGF, and yeah. I, maybe that speaks more to me yeah. being aware of stuff. last year that came out of the IGF that no one really knew about, and I don't remember what it's called. I feel like no one... FTL, no. Faster Than Light. So, no. I th- notably, I, I don't think anybody knew about Oikospiel before <sighs> at IGF. Well, okay. We had heard about it, hadn't we? But for me. Okay. Because I was on the... <laughs> no, but I thought we had heard about it. I thought... I don't know. I okay, thought, I thought yeah. I'd heard about it around, but maybe um, just yeah, I, I definitely I, had. I mean, yeah. at least it came out dog, of it. The dog opera is a phrase that like, sticks in your head. True. Oh, yeah. Wow, and it's was it was it was it in the IGF category worst fucking game ever made? Uh, I won Nuovo. Great, it won the Nuovo category. <laughs> <laughs> okay, maybe I should pay attention to that one <laughs> from now on. Yeah. They, they didn't have anybody like pounding a nail into their dick. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, insisting that the players pound a nail into their own dick as part no, of the great you can experience. Only submit but, software to you know, the IGF. Yeah, you, you you weren't able to submit a cupcake with thumbtacks in it. <laughs> yeah, that was that's that was actually going to submit a, a, a recipe, recipe for yeah. a cupcake with thumbtacks in it. Oh, okay. Well, that would that would be less harmful. I mean, yeah, because at least that's kind of well, funny. Is yeah. it really? Because that's the whole like. Give a man a cupcake <laughs> and hurt him for a day. He'll bleed for a week. Teach him. Yeah. Teach him. Yeah. <laughs> bake a cupcake. 
I mean, I guess that's the that's the justification behind, you know, cracking down on anarchist cookbook style right. stuff and textfiles.com. Yep. Uh, yeah, the process that I saw was that there were like 800 games and there was an interface to sort them by like who had the most like votes per views in each category. So I just played like the top 12 or whatever, top 20 Votes per views. Yeah. So if you just sort by votes, you're going to get things like inside at the top. Right. Was that it, actually in the IGF? Yeah, it, it was. What? Yeah. It, yeah, that had like a 20-person development team. And uh, like a multi-million dollar budget. Yeah. That's, yeah. I don't think there like, are actually rules for who can submit to IGF. It's, it's, you can't right. have I a publisher relationship, right? I think so that as long as there you are self-publish. <laughs> like manners about who can yeah. submit. Yeah. I mean, like yeah. Jonathan Blow specifically didn't submit The Witness because yeah. he's like, this like, is a multi-million dollar game. Right. That, Campo uh, specifically didn't submit Firewatch because uh, yeah. they're, you know. I think I think that's probably the way to do it, the way to handle it, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, but then you you just play those games and you you confer among your uh, other jurors and you vote. S- sorry, but your votes per your votes per view. You were trying to see things that had been played less. Uh, by votes per you could you could sort by negatively by uh, by views. But I'm just like, curious what you did. I'm, I'm, I, I sorted by votes per view, which was like of the number of downloads this had, which had the most. Um, that seems like a pretty honest way of going about it. Yeah, because then it's like. The, the most percentage of people who interacted with this thought it was worthy of yeah. consideration. Yeah, yeah. But That's cool. There was also, like, we were we were talking about this on the mailing list about how, like, yeah, there's probably some real gems in there that no one played because there's, what, 800 submissions and some of them have, like, two downloads. I, I The year that I was really heavily invested in trying to help judge, I, I played 100 games and that was less than a fifth. Yeah, that's intense. So, that's like... real... And it was by that point, I was getting really good at being like, okay, this seems like something that's like worthy of like some further examination by yeah. a jury. But like to do it really well, you'd need a couple of people to play the entire field so that mm-hmm. you have like a more or less like consistent judging. Like, but that's and that's just impossible. I mean, it seems like the IGF, in order to function the way that I want it to, would need a paid staff of like fifty people. Yeah, yeah, it would it would be crazy, right? And I, I don't. And think that doesn't. There's no. That doesn't. I don't think sense. that's. Yeah, I don't think there's a world in which that happens. Yeah. I mean, how does how does like the academy work? Oh man, was there like any big shakeup where they said, "And game of the year is <laughs> Oikospiel"? Oh shit, I meant inside. Uh, <laughs> hashtag. Topical. I think so. The academy they just send out screeners to everybody in the academy. But who's? I mean, the academy is not like a. It's like people with other jobs who are in the academy I mean, right it's all like people it's in not, the industry yeah but it's not like there's somebody whose job it is to be in the academy i i am guessing that there are probably employees of the academy i don't know how many of them there are but like somebody has to be in charge of like putting together the awards show and stuff well, right there has to be a staff to to and to send to out put on a multi-million stuff. dollar show yeah or do you don't think they just charge all of the celebrities like ten thousand dollars to get in <laughs> right do uh did you see that it's refunded if you the... win that, that makes them hungry <laughs> how typography could have prevented the uh, uh yeah the error yeah that was really funny yep <clears throat> which i you know i i buy it it's but i feel like that's a lot easier to say in retrospect right well and like, also like if this this is a card for an audience of one hindsight yes. is 20 points and like <laughs> you care about design and about polish the, you care more the more people are going to see a thing. So, like, obviously you're not going to put a lot of work into something one person is going to read. Yep. 
I mean, was, you could have printed that in any font, and you could have decided that the things were at any any size, yeah. right? And they looked nice, you know. It's not it's not like there was no effort put into it, right? Yep. It it makes me think about like hierarchy of information and presentation in like UI and stuff. Like, what is the most important thing here? What what do you want the player's eye to be drawn to? Yeah. It's always the fart joke. Well, sure, but then but at some point I mean, there has to the, be the Oscars there's, logo. There's, the fart joke, you know, the, everybody's gonna pay attention to the fart joke just naturally. You don't have to put any extra effort in. Which thing should smell the worst in a given room? <laughs> huh. Uh, so did you did you see any cool talks? Did I actually go to any talks? I went to the um, yeah, I went to the Seaman uh, postmortem. Okay, Seaman was... died. <laughs> well, yeah, oh. wasn't it Leonard? Wasn't it Leonard Nimoy? He I, died. Yeah, I've actually, oh, I've actually no. heard a really good argument that it should be called a postpartum because uh, you're talking. Oh yeah, sure. That's a good, yeah, yeah. It's not a thing that die. I mean, that if release is death. Yeah. I mean, I guess the French. But if <laughs> the little release, the little yeah, <laughs> the the soft launch, yeah. I think, is what the French call it. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I, I guess you're right. I mean, because the game. I mean, a work of art never dies, right? That's the point of. That's the point of art is something yeah. you do because you are afraid of dying. Okay, all right. I didn't think of that. So yeah, it's not a postmortem. Hmm. Yeah, postpartum. Something you do. But I'm because still you're afraid, afraid of, death. of dying. This, this isn't working. Ah, shit. Well, I mean, that Guardian article will still be there. Okay. I, I think they, they're going to put it on one of those metal plates on a, on a space probe. Send off. And, yes. Yeah, send it off. So, like Just having, the article, not the game. So oh, it's yeah, going to be yeah. really confusing. But is it, having children art? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. You're just, I, everyone's, especially if you're art garfunkel's parents. If you raise parents. them kind of weird. <laughs> yeah. If you okay. paint on them. <laughs> okay. I was I was talking to a friend of mine who works at Google, and he said that they have the they use the word postmortem to refer to um, when they try to figure out what the cause of a really bad disaster, like a bug that mm. caused uh, issues for a bunch of users, that sort of thing. Mm. Which is a much smarter, I think, use of sure. that word. <clears throat> Did you see how that AWS thing was just like a single fat finger and a single line of no, no, like I a single console that. command? Yeah, it's like somebody was trying to take some servers offline, and they just typed <laughs> they the wrong took, number in took, one of the arguments, and in, instead of three, they typed all. <laughs> it was. Oh, I mean, wow. it was something like instead of three, they typed thirty, and so it just took. Wow. Yeah. There was yeah. a similar thing where like the uninstaller for some trivial. Utility, um, I think it it had a space in the RM command, mm. so it was like remove and then the flag for like recursively and then like the directory of the thing. But at before the last slash, there was a space, so it was like delete this directory and also the entire Everything. contents of the drive. <laughs> oh, <geez>. So <laughs> like yeah, good good job Unix. That's a real great interface you have there. That's uh, I mean. <laughs> I don't know. Do you want the CLI to not let you, you delete, delete things? I think there could be a little bit more of a um, sanity check. It's. Well, I was trying to think of like a, a, a what do you call a, a safety net? That's it. I was trying to think what's the metaphorical thing where you land and you're you <sighs> don't die, liberals, man. <laughs> you want you want the Unix nanny state uh -huh. <laughs> preventing people from making their own choices yeah. about whether or not to delete all of their you stuff. Know, when I use Windows, the usual fuck up is when I drag a file into the same directory and then it makes a copy of the file. It says copy of, and that's annoying. Yeah, that. But it's not deleting my entire hard drive. Right. If you do that in Dropbox, it often then starts, you know, uploading another copy of it. <laughs> that sucks too. Uplo and and it only does that because of that stupid anti piracy thing. 
the oh right where it yeah. pretends it pretends to not already have oh, a copy right. of this file <laughs> remotely yeah, well, maybe, now that something they could get in trouble for now that there are um md5 hash collisions maybe there's an yeah. actual worry and they about can that force them yeah that's exciting i saw an animated gif that displayed its own md5 hash whoa huh <laughs> i was ne- i never really understood how like being able to md5 stuff that's longer than the hash like of course there oh, there's are going to be, gonna no, be no, collisions the, the, right like the premise I, is that like you're not going to accidentally run into collisions no, I see. The fact, that's the fact still true can now make something that causes a so like if you get it, so like getting a copy of the md5 table sorry getting like getting a, a list of like md5 hashes is no longer a secure thing like you can't they're no, it's like it's effectively a plain text password hmm. right as long as you can, because now you can submit anything. Because you can only try things against it that are well. No, no, it doesn't you, matter. Exactly. Yeah. You can, okay. You can submit whatever you want now and right. force a particular. MD5. I mean, that was already on its way to being true, anyway, because yeah, it well, was getting fa- this. We're, so we're 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 getting in the weeds here about <laughs> about hacking, um, yeah. right? My my understanding is that like people anticipated this happening about now for the past ten years. Yeah, they, people have been asking, saying to move away from this for yeah. a while. But it's now, now we're at the point where, like, you can just do it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, who can? Uh, you can. Only Julian Assange. You, you Only can. Julian Assange is capable of generating MD5 oh. collisions. Okay. I don't know this song. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, you saw one postmortem? Uh, yeah, it was pretty good. You should check it out in the vault when it becomes free, which it probably will. Oh, nice. But maybe watch it and fast forward because the guy doesn't. English is not his first language, so he speaks really slowly. I would rather watch a transcript. That's a much better idea. There might be one of those. Probably not. Man, did you see... I saw this post on Slashdot yesterday about how UC Berkeley has all of this stuff online for free, all of these course materials, and they're taking it down because somebody lodged a complaint about the, uh, the ADA and how... Anything that universities provided had to be ADA compliant, and wow. they were like, uh, "Well, we can't afford to generate transcripts of all of this stuff, so we're just going to take it down." Yeah, that's a oh, bummer. God. Yeah, it's hard to tell who to be mad at there. <laughs> Probably Trump. Just the world. Just shake an impotent fist <sighs> at the it sky. Tr- it wasn't Trump. So the slash dot commenters were were uh, happy to point out that this was actually George Bush won. Uh, <laughs> Set the ball in motion. Oh, that, that okay. Made this happened. So we can blame. He's still alive. We can blame him. Yeah. We can yell at him. I mean, we can blame it. We can blame him for having a son who grow up, grew up to be a, another terrible president. So. Yeah, but I, doesn't that guy seem like just a quaint? Oh, I forgot to man. Yeah, and he does and now, curious tome certainly. of forgotten yeah. war. <laughs> it's like, honestly, oh, the good old days. <laughs> <laughs> this feels like a project that people should just mobilize around and provide transcription services God, for. Like free. Phyllis Diller's joke yeah. file. Or at God, least did you see that? Download it all that? and put it up somewhere else where they okay, so have to comply. Phyllis yeah. Diller had like a 50 year stand up comedy career, and for the entire time, she kept like basically a card catalog in her house that had 50,000 index cards in it by the end of her by the end of her life, each of which was like a joke. Or like wow. a gag for her stand for her stand up material that she like like just compulsively like categorized and the Smithsonian got a hold of it and scanned all of them and instead of OCRing it they just decided to crowdsource transcription of it 
Huh. I guess a lot of it was handwritten in pencil, like to, annotated sure. and stuff. And so there's just this big, like, you sign up for an account on the Smithsonian website, and then you can just start looking at all of these, like, super racist jokes <laughs> from the 70s wow. and transcribing them so that everybody else can... This is, I feel like this is a thing that a lot of comedians do, is they have, like, binders or yeah. index cards or whatever with jokes, and they just, like... They're super methodical. Yeah. I mean, I think you'd have to, right? Because, I mean, if your job is just sort of working on material, I mean, like sort of it it always seemed like such an alien way of creating stuff to me because the funny thing is that you do this, you you have effectively done this by creating like a video game where you write all your jokes Yeah, everything just goes into a database initially. But like not like the the way that a stand-up comic has to operate just where you do a you do a routine and then an couple hours later you do it again and then the next day you do it again three times and you just slowly like remove stuff that doesn't tend to get a laugh and add stuff that does like the idea the idea you're just throwing it away and starting off well so that sometimes right i mean that's what george carlin did and that's what louis ck did sort of inspired by george carlin but that was like seemed crazy to most stand-up comics still spent years developing a set but like the idea of telling, even though it's to a different audience, I get it. The idea of making the same joke twice is a thing that I just want to avoid. You at never all did any costly. theater, I'm guessing. No, because yeah. like that, that's the whole idea of like it's like performing a thing, performing a thing. Yeah, yeah. it's like it's like trying to make it fresh every single time you do it. I just I hate that so much. Like yeah. it just it just goes against everything that I want out of myself. Like I don't I every don't think there's anything then, wrong with people doing it. But you and I are, we'll have a we'll have a, a particularly interesting conversation over dinner before the show, and then we will sort of recreate that conversation on the show. Yeah. Yeah. Like, how do you feel about telling the same story to more than one person? Yeah. I don't like doing it because I'm afraid. I'm afraid every time I tell a story that I've already told it to that person. Yeah. Uh, that's probably true, too. So luckily like, now I'm so old that I can before. just like tell stories from 20 years ago. Yeah. And that probably the people that I met last year haven't heard it yet. Well, but they've been passed down through the oral tradition by other people. I feel like once in college, somebody made fun of me for telling the same story a bunch of times and so then I just got paranoid about it ever since sure I'm sure that I do it all the time on the podcast just because I forget I used to in college I had a really good memory for who knew what facts so like things I had told I I would remember who I had told things to so Mm. I could be like I've told you this before but I'm gonna tell you know Bob over here and I, like I could preface that, so it wouldn't I wouldn't feel awkward, and I've just lost all that. Like I'm, you don't think? I mean, I think you're still good at games like The Resistance or Werewolf, where you're like you're yeah. way better than I am at like figuring out, like empathizing with Short-term other people and figuring out is, what they know. Is still okay. Long term memory is just shot. Anyway, me. go help Phyllis Diller. Yeah, I mean okay. she's been dead for years, but go you, help. You both suddenly <laughs> looked at me there, like yeah. oh, I, Jim. I, 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 look, I already did a bunch, so yeah. I, my I gotta, my contribution is. Get did on you that shit? You signed up for an account? And yeah, yeah. I mean, I like I just did uh, like uh, you said. Like, give me all the racist ones. Proofreading. <laughs> no, I actually moved on from the racist. I like okay. went to a different drawer. Oh, do, do they like? Do or they have? They filed under R. Yeah. Multiple people review each card. So yeah. The, somebody transcribes it and then somebody reviews it and then a Smithsonian staff member reviews it. So after yeah. after it's already been reviewed. So it does sound pretty interesting. I I could totally see myself doing some of that. Just this is something that could just like handle. writing comedy is my job. Yeah. yeah this is like yeah, yeah. This is like primary research. Or yeah. Something. But this is something they could handle for like fifty bucks on Mechanical Turk. Ah, uh, yeah. But I mean, it's I think people. I think they were counting on people being excited about doing it because it yeah. sounds like a fun thing. 
Yeah, if we, um, I mean, if we ever wanted to add a new zone to Kingdom of Loathing that was like, you go fight all the Polacks, and then everything <laughs> that we write is like about all of the dumb things that the Polacks do, ha ha. <laughs> then yeah, we could just we could just rip this right off. <laughs> was she really that bad? I don't really have any any. I mean, there were just what Phyllis Diller's routines were like. There were a lot of Polak jokes, and there I saw some stuff that was like just like gay jokes that you wouldn't make now hmm. well i mean i mean you for various <laughs> definitions of you you know I, you know i mean it is what it is right it's yeah. jokes that somebody wrote down in the 70s so what right. you know what are you gonna do um transcribe them and be vaguely uncomfortable yeah <laughs> Or just relish in my ability to type the N-word and feel good about it, like I'm helping the world. <laughs> I don't know if she went that far. I really only saw Polak jokes, which, oh, okay. I, I mean, you know, I guess we've talked about whether whether that counts as racism. The P-word? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it, so, what we were, I think what we were arguing was that, up, right? yeah, the the Polish are way higher than us exactly. in the, on the, the social, social ladder. ladder. <laughs> But that's only now, though. Like, it wouldn't right. be racist if we wrote those jokes now. But in the 70s, it was racist. Okay. It's <laughs> So, really, it's even worse. It's like, not, you're not like a racist grandma apologist. Right. You're like a, no, 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 really. Like, it was even lamer to be that racist <laughs> when she was young. Right. Like, she super sucks. Oh man, should we uh, should we get into video games? I mean, we're gonna run out of time. Yeah, I guess. And so. I don't know about you guys, but I have played a fuck ton of video games yeah, talk about since games. the last time uh, we did. I, I want to say one more non-video game thing. Uh, see the movie Get Out. I've heard that's really I, good. I heard it it's is, really good. Yeah, it's worth seeing in a theater. It's it's very good. I, I tried heard Logan. There was super good too. I've heard that also. Uh, that that's we were harder to believe. We were gonna go see either <laughs> right. of them. And uh, Amelia and I were like, uh, neither of us has any interest at all in right. seeing Logan. But after reading a bunch of stuff about it, it's like, mm, okay, I'm probably going to go see that. Because yeah. Yeah. Okay. it's a, it, just the fact that it's an R-rated superhero movie yeah. makes me want to see what they did with it. All right. I'll 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 see any R-rated movie. <laughs> okay. It's just how I roll. Yeah. <laughs> R not gonna for let the, Not going to let the MPAA tell me what I can't have boner about. Is, is that what that means? Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. Man, I saw a preview at Get Out for this movie called Raw, and that is some fucked up shit. That that is like the I was like, wow, I am surprised this is only R rated. Yeah, it is the, super disturbing. The, the, images. The, the R rating has taken on a wide range of meanings in yeah. the past fifty years. Whoa. Uh, did you play any games, Jim? I uh, played some Breath of the Wild. Really? Nice. Yeah. What uh, what console do you have that it plays that? So I have a Wii U, but this but the gamepad is broken. Okay. And I had a friend come over to try to repair it, but she I think made it worse. Okay. So it was even more broken now. Okay. So we actually went out and found a Switch. You like, bought a Switch. We bought a Switch in a store. In a store. And they had Gosh. them. And they had them. Yeah. So. I, I actually was just going to be lazy about this and just like sleep, but um, but April decided she's going to be proactive about this because she was excited about Breath of the Wild as well, and she called around and found a a place that was going to have a shipment in on Thursday or whatever it was. Okay. And she actually went and lined up because she gets that gets up that early anyway, um, which is weird. Like I'm here at eleven eleven a.m. and I think this is an ungodly hour to be awake. Um. 
as as does Riff, I think. Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty inhumane. Yeah. yeah. Um, sorry, I'm sorry, guys. If it weren't for Pax East, <laughs> you got to like, suffer for your art yeah. sometimes. <laughs> We're suffering for your art too now. Um, true. So she went there, she bought the stuff, and then we played it. It's, you know, I'm I'm enjoying it. I'm um did you I'm did you pretty, change from uh I'm, TV to handheld and back and forth a bunch? Uh I think that happened a couple of times, yeah. Did you did you take it to a basketball court? Didn't yeah. you yeah. play a bunch of, a, a, a of Zelda with your buddies? Yeah. None <laughs> of that. Um I've heard that there is not I haven't noticed anything about the Wii U version that makes me think that there's anything wrong with it mm-hmm. compared to it was the Switch the version. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, so what I heard was that like the frame rate's a little bit worse and the interface is a little bit better on the Wii U because you have the like the the item manipulation was built for the touchpad. Yeah, except it's not on it. What? Yeah. The tu- <laughs> the touchpad okay. just has a like thing that says like I don't even know what it says. It's constantly there, and every once in a while it brightens and makes me look at it. Uh-huh. Yeah, it seems like the interface was all built to use the touchpad, and then they just turned off that functionality on that, the Wii U. Okay, wow. Yeah, just which so it wouldn't have that much better of it. It's a just a personal interface. fuck you to you, Zach. Well, I mean, and I guess any other Wii U. And any owner, other, yeah, no, yeah. they want you to. But I'm probably the only person who bought a Wii U. <laughs> <laughs> And didn't it break been, it. Should have been called a wee Zach. Yeah. <laughs> a wee me. This, uh, I mean, it definitely, this justifies the purchase in a way that even Mario Maker didn't. Mm-hmm. I mean, I knew Mario Maker was going to dissolve into what it did, but uh, it, yeah, man, it's, I don't know. You were complaining about some flower thing that I didn't run into. Yeah. So that's the only F-O- thing I tweeted about O-U-R, it. O-U-R, but like O-W-E-R. Yeah. So this game opens with um, a pretty tasteful... Um, uh, well-justified quest where <laughs> where you um, you meet this 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 old man who who will give you like a paraglider if you go do some quests for him. Okay. Like and he he oh, like man, keeps I wish a, I knew an old man like that. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. He keeps like appearing like it's around Richard Branson. Let yeah. me introduce you to Richard Branson. <laughs> he seems like the kind of thing that he would do. Like, he keeps appearing, like, next to you, like, flying in on his paraglider. It's pretty awesome. Oh, man, I wish I could do that, you think. Um, And the reason you can't leave this plateau you're on is that the cliff is just too steep. So you need... need, How did you get there? You Uh, you were resurrected inside a tomb atop it. You you wake up in the Shrine of Resurrection. Okay. And it turns out you're the hero of whatever. Uh, Nobody gives a shit about the plot of this game because it's terrible. Uh, But you get... All these, like this guy's trying to get, convince you, like, oh, you go get me this treasure. But what he actually wants is for you to get the um, these four abilities that you'll need to save the world. Okay. So you go to these four shrines and you solve some puzzles in there and you get some special abilities. Like here's the time stop ability that you can apply to moving objects. Okay. Um, and once you do that, he gives you the paraglider and you can go off to explore the rest of the world. Uh, and I thought this was like really well done. Uh. Except for mechanically. all like, mechanically and also just like in terms of narrative justification for why you're doing these things. Okay. Yeah. You like, physically need to get off the island. And so you're getting a thing. I mean, it's sort of like the raft in the first Legend of Zelda. It's like, oh, yeah, this means I can get to places that you would need a raft right. to get to. And that's right. OK. And I thought that was really like well done. Um, and here's this asshole preventing me from leaving. But like, I'm not just doing what he says because he says it. I'm doing what he says because there's a reason for me to. So, the first place I, I started running around the uh, the rest of the world after, and the you got fir- the after I got the paraglider, which was which is awesome. I love okay. the paraglider. 
Um, and the first like unique place I run into is this, there's another shrine and there, the world is covered with these shrines. You get like, uh, upgrade materials there. Um, and I was, tr- I was running up, running to get into this shrine and suddenly this woman is yelling at me about stepping on the flowers. Okay. And when she yells at you to step on the flowers that like you, the screen fades out and it fades in and you are like teleported next to her. Um, and I was, I'm getting flashbacks at this point to like, oh, this is what the previous four terrible 3D Zelda games were like. It was just some like, oh, you can't walk past this guy because you don't have a sword. How far back does four go? Uh, let's see. I'm, I, that was just a guess, but I, let's see. Like starting uh, with Ocarina of Time? Starting with Ocarina. Okay. Yeah. So you think Ocarina of Time was bad in that? Um, I, I liked it at the time, but I don't think I would want to play it again. It's yeah. one I of the highest that's... rated video games of all time. Yeah. I think I'm, I'm right there with you. Yeah. Yeah, I um, kind of agree as well. Huh. It also looks really terrible now in a way that early 3D stuff looks terrible yeah. to me that I can't forgive. Yeah. I got yeah. like halfway that, or that and the fact that through it the camera stopped. controls okay. hadn't really been figured out yet. And yeah. Um, and like you, the, the, the puzzle is you have to walk through this maze of flowers, a lot like stair quest. Um, and it just always resets you to the, where if you step beginning. on any of, any of the flowers, this, it, the woman yells at you again and you get teleported over there. And like, and you have to do that to get to the shrine. Yeah. Huh. Okay. And couldn't you just like glided down over the maze? Uh, if, some other there place? is actually is a cliff top nearby that you could probably do that with. Okay. Um, but I wasn't on top of the cliff. I was on the, on the ground. Um, okay. and like, it's not a difficult puzzle. I did it it's on my first try. It's just like, the, the reason that I have to do it is infuriating because I don't actually care about this woman's opinion about the flowers. In fact, just like, just to, to, to piss her off, I like used the fire arrow and set the flowers on fire <laughs> and she didn't react at all, which is huh, that's some hero you are. <laughs> yeah. That seems uncharacteristic for a game that, that yeah. like people yeah, that's supposedly so systems like, driven. Yeah. He's not, the, he's not the hero Hyrule. Right. <laughs> Needs. <he's> the, I'm, <laughs> Um, anyway, that was, that was that moment. And that was like large for me psychologically, but not large in, in like the, I think most people wouldn't be as bothered by it as I was. It seems like most people wouldn't run into it either. Cause it's one out of the way thing. Well, it's not that out of the way. It's a shrine. So like people want to go to the shrines. They, huh. they draw you in. Um, the shrines are sort of what this game has instead of dungeons. Yeah. Like they're very short, uh, sort of. Portal-esque. Are they, so are they filled with monsters? Or are they, no. They're, 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 well, sometimes monster, they have a monster in them. But, yeah. like, they're they're either, like, short puzzles or short combat encounters. Okay. Um, and they always have some stuff hidden in them. There's always at least a couple of treasure chests in there that are optional. Yeah. Uh, and then... I was saying that he was super into the puzzles, like, eight hours in or whatever. Yeah. So. Apparently there are dungeons just, like, oh. way later. Oh, I see. Huh. Yeah. It, I am... I have gotten to the point that I get to in a lot of video games where I get to the first town and suddenly like, well, this is intimidatingly complex and I don't want to do anything. The possibility space expands too much. Are you, are you in Kakariko Village? Well, I, I got to Kakariko Village and then I immediately left to just wander off towards the next thing because I heard there was a thing there that was like an upgrade that I cared about. Mm-hmm. And then it's just another giant town with a bunch of other NPCs in it. And I see. Like, man, I like, you know what is good? Fallout 3. Because there's like one town and it has like six people in it, <laughs> and that was pretty. That was pretty okay. 
So that's interesting to me, actually. So, like, you played Skyrim. You played a lot of Skyrim. Yeah. And why is that? Why is that game world not intimidating to you? Because most of the towns that you go to have like three buildings in them and one important NPC. Okay. So and this is this is weird though. It's like this is like the game world is massive. The game is comprised of multiple towns and hundreds of like small little yeah. encounters. Seeing and a that few of them, yeah, no, it doesn't. Seeing hundreds of small little encounters that, and this is what Breath of the Wild gives you up until this point, right? Like, I mean, I. I get that this is how video games work. Like big sprawling open world RPGs always have like a big town with a lot of stuff to do in them. I mean, I sort of want to resist that when I make stuff, you know, so. But the mentally, the town is a single unit and large compared to these small encounters and stuff. But, But inside the town is just more small encounters. It's just a different abstract scaling of those same encounters right like so talking to an npc which is probably going to be a bunch of boring badly written text that probably doesn't do anything to change the game state is a totally different thing than seeing what's in this cave okay like just fundamentally no, that's, right? so, I, I, I mean, agree. I'm yeah. just, I'm and if, just if I, I think if I went into, if I went into a, is. if I went into a cave and then it was like, all right, so this cave opens into a big space that has 75 small caves branching out from it. Right. I would think, uh, uh I don't want to deal with this. Okay. That's 75 caves. And like effectively a town with 75 NPCs in it. And that's a tremendous exaggeration of how many NPCs are. Sure. Also, the way that towns are in Zelda games, is like, man, nobody would build a town like this. <laughs> right. Like, it just like this, cra- and especially the 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 geometry of the way that Zelda towns are are built, being just goofy and like, oh, this there's some angle from which this looks really picturesque, but it's not like in there <laughs> that it is. And the fact that you can climb up anything just means, well, fuck. If I like miss the path that leads to that's the way you're supposed to get here, I just spend a bunch of time climbing this fucking wall to get there, and it's. Yeah, I so I've been approaching this game with the idea in mind that I'm just never going to see everything. And that means like I just ignore the NPCs like I'll go check out, see what the shops are selling, but I'm not actually buying anything because nothing seems that important. I bought a matched set of clothes because I wanted some more armor because I kept getting killed in fights, which is. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And I've definitely, like, run into areas that are just, whoops, I guess I'm way too low level for this because I just got one-shotted. It feels good, though. I mean, it's like the memories of, like, accidentally going into the blasted lands from... Mm-hmm. Yeah. From, yeah. uh... That was one of my favorite experiences. <laughs> what, what game? In World of Warcraft. In World of Warcraft. Ah, just okay. accidentally oh, yeah. going the wrong direction out of Elwyn Forest. It's not the blasted lands. It's what's the... the well, there's there's a bunch of different Blackrock can Gor- Something Gorgeous. Yeah, so, what, whatever the whatever the thing like you can if you go the wrong way out of Elwyn Forest or early on at least before the, before Cataclysm oh. made everything like smoothed all this I'm, out. I'm it's so like, glad you I could don't just this. walk I'm, the I'm wrong direction and just amazing. get like one shot by some giant yeah. rock and, elemental, and you aggro it from like so far away because you're so level compared. Like the right. aggro radius is based on like level differential, yeah. and so like out of nowhere this army of spiders will come and like just wreck you or whatever yeah. <laughs> like and this feels like that except it's like when i get killed in breath of the wild it's like well i was not good enough at dark souls to win that fight like it's not <laughs> that that guy just had i mean like yes he's gonna one hit you 
right? But you could beat him without ever getting hit. Like, there's nothing, like, unfair about the game that would stop that from happening. Yeah. So. I saw a cool uh, a- animated gif or whatever of uh, somebody, like, trying to kill a monster by, like, sort of kiting it away and then dropping a bomb and then the monster kicking the bomb into their back and killing them. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that is, that's really cool. Yeah. Like, it's like, it's like Far Cry as like fuck. That. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Throwing, throw a knife at a guy and he'll catch it and throw it back. And... The other game that I'm, that it made me think of in terms of like wandering into two difficult areas too early was Zelda 1. Where yeah, get up like, where you beat those lion guys up yeah, north, yeah, and it's yeah, like, oh whoa, fuck! People, these yeah. things are real hard. Yeah, but yeah, I've I've heard a lot of uh, Far Cry esque stories. I haven't actually experienced any myself, but I'm excited. It's gonna happen. Yeah, often, I mean, the things that I've had that are like that happened off screen, and my experience of it was like, uh, okay, apparently there were a tremendous number of explosive barrels surrounding me because <laughs> now suddenly the screen is filled with explosions and I'm dead, and I'm right. not yep. totally sure why yeah, that yeah, happened, right. but I don't know, it's probably some super sophisticated AI on the part of this bokoblin. <laughs> it's a good game. Enjoying it I'm so sad far. to, I'm, I'm... I'm worried that going away for PAX East is going to mean that I walk away from it and don't play it anymore. Oh, you should have got the Switch. Yeah, you could just take Switch with you. Nah, that's okay. Are you not going to get a Switch? I don't think so. I mean, maybe in a three years when there's the number of games games out that are going to be out for it, and my mom says, I need you to give me an idea for what to get you for Christmas. Okay, well, here's a video game thing that's 200 bucks. That's, I mean, that's how I got the Wii U. Yep. Because you wanted Mario Maker. Yep. Basically. Yep. Played anything else? I uh, I played um, well, but played a bunch of games at GDC. Uh, the one that I remember off the top of my head was, it's called A Hat in Time, which is a game that's like Banjo-Kazooie-like that's been in development by some, as far as I can tell, just by one guy in Germany for the past five years. Hmm. Um. Oh, so it translates to, uh, it has in time. Okay, I didn't know that. (laughs) And it's got, it's got like shockingly variable degrees of polish on it in terms of like the world, the, the, the world I looked at like looks really good and it's fun to explore, but also like you fall through the, edge of the you fall through the wall like at, a, at the drop of a hat you just like oh shit an now actual I'm in, hat uh unfortunately no because okay. you you can't drop the ha- actual hats you wear they don't they're not items in the world okay um i just oh now i'm in the 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 infinite body of water underneath the level and have to reset um and like the movement controls are kind of gross uh but this is one of those like games that like people for whatever reason, haven't really been making 3D platformers in, like, 15 years. And it might just be that, like, Nintendo was the only company that ever did it really well, and, like, doing it to their degree of polish is really expensive. Did you like Psychonauts? Did you play Psychonauts? I liked it, but not as a 3D platformer. Okay. Like, I thought the the mechanics were pretty bad. Um, the movement mechanics. Um... Yeah, so I, I like, uh, I've, I've been, I got a beta code for that and I've been messing with it and like it's, it's kind of scratching the itch because I like exploring, like the, the first level is, is, uh, 
it's weirdly like it's called Mafia Town, and the and the the joke is that there are all these cartoon mafiosos walking around talking like cartoon mafiosos, and it's not really very funny, but like it's a uh, it's kind of a like a bright, attractive space to just explore. The, the town is built like a like a layer cake, so that there are these it's it's circular. You can like. It's uh, circular, so it's an interesting space to explore in that way, and it's vertical, so it's an interesting space to, space to explore in that way, and it plays with that a lot. Um, so I've been enjoying that, but also, like, in other ways, not enjoying it. <laughs> Hopefully, by the time they ship, in another five years, most likely, um, it'll be a good game. I played a demo of a, of a game that somebody was showing at GDC called The American Dream, uh, oh yeah, there's this the uh, Nick fo- Nick somebody from Nick McClendon. Yeah, they, they, their, their last game was Screen Cheat. Yeah, uh, this Australian company that the Australian government is funding the <laughs> the creation of this game that is just like a sort of satire about American gun culture. Right. Um, it's a VR game where you're in a sort of a dark ride, uh, and it's like this is what your life is going to be like as an American. And it starts out where you're in a crib, and you know your mom comes in to feed you, and you you know make some decisions about stuff. Uh, and your only way of interacting with the world is through two pistols right. that you have with the motion controls. And it's just, it's, it's pretty good. Uh, then it's like, oh, when you get older, you'll have to get a job. And so then it takes you to the bagel factory where you have to shoot holes in bagels and like <laughs> shoot the, shoot the tainted bagels, which just are bagels with an entire rat in the dough <laughs> off of the, off of the conveyor belt before they go into the oven. Um, and the, it it is doing nothing to make guns not seem cool because the reload mechanism for this game is probably the most satisfying thing that I have ever done with a gun in a oh. video game. You once your once your gun's out of ammo, there's a button that you press with the barrel of the gun. The whole game goes into slow motion. The audio slows down and it like pops a, a magazine up in front of you that slowly arcs through the air and you like slam the pistol onto the magazine <laughs> to reload it and then time speeds back up no, and it is so fucking cool. That is good. Um, you know, the the satire is a little on the nose. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But it's a fun game and it's funny. It's, it's, it's very much in the like job simulator vein of VR games where and this is mostly just like a funny experience. For like twenty minutes and then you're done. Yeah, yeah. Real nauseating though, in a way that most Vive games had not been to because you're in a thing that moves on its own, oh. and you're sitting down, which is which is weird. Yeah. Like you're meant to be seated while you play it. Um, hmm. Anyway, keep an eye on that. I mean, they'll figure out the nausea problem. I thought, it, I has thought the, uh... it has a nose. It has a like. That has a, a visible sense. nose, yeah. Which the you, people they is say is a, is I thought it was just a joke, but they say that that helps some people with. I've the heard motion that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I thought that like games on rails were way less likely to cause nausea. So in between scenes, you go through like basically like a swirly funhouse tunnel, and it's kind of like they're doing it on purpose. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like well, my understanding is that anything where there is. Um, acceleration is what's going to get you uh acceleration that is not matched by what you feel in real life is what's what gets you sick so that's why teleporting works because there's no it's just instantaneous right interesting yeah oh i also um i played a little bit more pokemon go uh which hasn't really changed like they added new pokemon but like all the old bugs are still there which is like the bug type pokemon or uh though those two 
Uh, but that's not a problem. The problem is like, oh yeah, I, I bring the app out of sleep and it can't connect to the server, so I have to restart it. You know that kind uh -huh. of bug that, that has I saw a bunch of. Oh well, maybe it's just maybe it only ever affected me then, <laughs> and maybe that's why they haven't fixed it. <laughs> to hell with that guy. <laughs> yeah, fuck you, Jim. Oh, I want to second a recommendation that you made last time of Refunct. Oh yeah, that game is so fucking good. I really like Refunct. It's it's just like a puzzle platformer that lasts about what f half hour forty five minutes. I was half hour to, for me, to play yeah. all the way through it, and it's just really really good, and it costs like two dollars. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah. Play play Refunct Super if you good. have the ability to do it. It's so satisfying. I finished. Uh, I, I finished. I mean, this game is also like twenty minutes long, but I uh, I had played it for a few seconds last time, but that. Uh, Packing up the rest of your stuff on the last day at your old apartment. Oh yeah, game. Um, which its name is just the P U T R O Y S O T L D A Y O A. In the, uh -huh. if you want to find it on on itch. Um, it was also a really satisfying short experience. It's, it's a sort of like a Tetrisy puzzle thing about getting all of the stuff into boxes, but it's not. It's pretty loose with it. It's sort of a, just a three D. Inventory Tetris. This is the sort of thing you would find in a Zelda shrine. Yeah. Um, but it's... <clears throat> it paints a picture. Like, the objects that are left over make you curious about, like, who is this? You know, I mean, is this, like... Does, is this just, like, stuff that one of the developers has in their in their apartment? And it's like, oh, this person's a James Kochalka fan, so that makes me like them. Uh, yeah. There was a, um IGF entry called She Might Think... Uh, which is just like I think it's the it's trying to get the point the across get across the point that not all women think the same, and so you play like eight different women walking through like who might move into an apartment, and as they walk through the apartment, they each have different reactions to the things in the apartment, and like it's it's real a really like like I, I don't know. If there's actually a big audience that needs to be convinced of this, that is going to also that is going to play this game and take it seriously. Mm -hmm. um, but it seems to me that a game like what you played would be a better uh, way to convey that sort of idea. If, if it happened incidentally, as yes. as part of something that was something else on yeah. its surface. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I guess that'd be a way to trick people into receiving a message. Right, and and not like just being like really explicit about it. Right, if you did it as part of like a, if there was like a new Counter Strike map, yeah. <laughs> that that just had that stuff built into it yeah, as you, you as you play all the drawers, and you find oh the, the woman who lived here is a super interesting person. <laughs> yep. Every time you, there, there's a lot of like destructible walls that you can use to make new uh, passages through an area, but they all go through like women's apartments. Right. <laughs> and you just look at their stuff while you're laying an ambush. All of the like good sniper nests also have like, you know, like bookshelves and little curio cabinets <laughs> in them. It's just like while you're waiting, you can like read someone's diary. <laughs> oh, man. Gun home. <laughs> Um, I have been playing a ton of uh, the new The Torment game that was kickstarted, uh, yeah. the, the spiritual successor to Planescape, Planescape Torment. Torment, Tides of Numenera. D don't read anything about it on the internet because people are such assholes. <laughs> it's I get, like apparently they cut a bunch of their like stretch goals mm. 
And there's just a bunch of things that they announced and talked about a lot and showed screenshots of that then didn't make it into the final product because the final product is a fucking video game and it had to come out eventually, right? So, like, it, it's frustrating to me being on the development side and just understanding that literally every game that has ever been made had similar numbers of feature cuts because the, the I think we are overly ambitious. Good about we have become good about not promising too much. Yeah. It's hard when you it's hard when you're doing a Kickstarter, right? Because you have to yeah. make promises to get people to fund the Kickstarter. But I think this has that classic problem where like, oh man, we're making so much money on this. Let's promise crazy shit cuz right. the only difference between d- having a game with a bunch of crazy shit in it and not is how much money we have cuz that is a thing that seems true on day negative 60 of a project. But like anyway, it's a great game. Uh there's there are definitely problems with it. I mean, like the combat is not great, but the combat wasn't great in Planescape Torment either. So maybe they're just going you, for you enjoyed a playthrough where you just didn't do any combat with Planescape. Yeah, well, I tried to avoid it. There's, there's, it's harder to do that here. There's sort of like a trick I didn't know. Like I didn't. I think there's somebody a, said that they got they like have avoided all but like three fights. Or something. There's a stealth mechanic I didn't know about that would have helped me get mm. through some areas that that otherwise required combat. And there's a few things where. I, Something that I'm trying really hard to do in West of Loathing is make it so a fight never starts without you knowing that you're doing something that's going to start a fight. And it's much easier in like what's effectively a turn-based right. game rather than a thing where there's systemic AI running around in a room. But I don't like it when suddenly I'm in a fight that I didn't know was going to happen, which is sort of what happened in Planescape Torment also. Like I just got myself down a conversation branch that there's no way to get out of it without starting a fight. And it's like, well, fuck. Uh, just don't know what to do here. Maybe reload from an earlier save. I mean, if you if, if you're in the middle of a conversation and you offend someone and that starts a fight and you didn't necessarily know what was going to offend them, I can I can see that you, you wanting to have narrative hooks. Yeah, and I can see you wanting the combat to be justified by the story and the combat to be a part of the story. But from the perspective of someone who is trying to avoid fights because of the systems of the game, rather than trying to avoid fights because of the story of the game it it annoys me when i'm suddenly thrust into combat without being ready for it and i've been building not towards combat at all but combat is still pretty trivial Hmm. and there's not even like difficulty levels i don't think um Hmm. i mean it could be that i've just been doing so many side quests and stuff that i'm over leveled for the area that i'm in i have no idea how far through it i am how long to beat says it's like 28 hours long people complain that it's too short people complain that it's too wordy people complain about cut features but I don't know. I think the game is pretty great. The setting of Numenera is it has that same kind of thing that the Planescape setting did, which is that like, the, you know, just the idea that sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic, like really taken to an extreme where it's like, well, this is Earth billions of years from now when like hugely advanced civilizations have risen and fallen. And so there's nanites everywhere that you can control if you know about them but they're just there left over and nobody really knows how they work there's like there's like a giant internet that you can access with your mind if you know how that's still there because it's in like satellites that are solar powered that are still flying around but like it just basically anything can happen and so it ends up with just a lot of the like just crazy like capital letter noun abstraction things that I like so much that there's a there's a bunch of plot points in the first town that you're in the the way that this society operates is that everyone has a sort of a period of voluntary 
slavery style civil service that they have to do. But the way that they do it is they put you in this machine that takes a year out of your life and makes a construct that is a copy of you basically that is influenced by what you would have done in the following year. It just like skips you ahead a year. And then whatever year you had sort of determines like what you're the slave that's made out of you sort of feels like. Whoa. Um, and so you, like there just end up being some things about that, that like, you know, it's like, okay, well, we can just decide that there's a machine that does anything. What, why does it need to take a year out of your life? That's just how it works. Okay. Like they just found this machine that does that. <laughs> and so they built right. a society around taking advantage of that. Um, wow. And that's kind of how all of it is. It's, it is a little sort of visually chaotic to match its conceptual chaoticness. And the conceptual chaoticness I think is fine because it can just you know, like you can just kind of run into whatever weird thing that you want to. And it's never like a goblin, <laughs> unlike <laughs> Planescape Torment, right? Like Planescape Torment still has the like Dungeons and Dragons backbone to it. Do you, did any of you play Planescape Torment? No, I played I've it for like an hour finished it. Yeah, when it was get... when it was too late for me about uh, text in games. But, right. Yeah, you would you would probably hate this. I like that's it's, the thing, though, like if I. The way people talk about Planescape Torment, if I were capable of... Like, Night in the Woods. If I could read text in games, I bet I would love Night in the Woods. Hmm. Same with Planescape Torment. Like, it seems like it's right up my alley. I think I changed my mind about whether I want you to play Test West of Loathing or Okay. <laughs> I'll just skip all the text. We'll you, see, you can see how it you is. You see how it is. Yeah, with yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, you'd probably be That's fine. There, there are going to be people who play it. You like just that. commit to not understanding, like, not being able to solve a lot of the puzzles, probably. Or uh, yeah. enjoying humor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, you can enjoy humor as long as it's a couple words at a time. I've actually been, um, like, trying real hard to read in Breath of the Wild. And if I hadn't, if I literally skipped the text, there would have been some places I was just completely stuck. Like, there's a time where the only instructions on where to go are in the text that the NPC, dialogue that the NPC says. Right. And there's no, like, quest marker. Yeah, it's real. So, like, it's, like, actually really trusting in the player, which... Yep. Which is great. Yeah, I love it. Uh, Torment really heavily quest markers stuff. Not not real. Like you have to read the journal, but it's like really good about making sure that like when you find something out about a plot line, that it gives you like like it changes a paragraph of text in the journal about it. Um. Anyway, if you like. I don't even really like super talky RPG. Like this, so far, this game is just a giant town with like a hundred NPCs in it. But for whatever reason, if I don't care about like going into dungeons and finding treasure chests, if I've just decided this is about like exploring weird conceptual spaces inside these dialogue trees, then I, it's, it's the exact opposite of your reaction to, I know, Breath of the Wild. So. Well, but there's no alternative. To, to this, right? There, it, it's not like I could leave town and go kill skeletons and get sweet swords, right? Okay. It's just not the kind of game this is. Like, huh? Okay. The skeletons yeah. in Breath of the Wild only have like crappy, rusty swords. Yeah. The, the, so the far, skeletons. the sweet swords that I got were all in chests. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they're just this, like stabbed into a, the chest of a skeleton. It's the skeleton right. of a sword. Oh, okay. You can, when you beat the skeletons, you get their arm and you, it's, yeah. it's a pretty, like at, at first that, it's a pretty good weapon. Yeah. That is kind of a sweet sword. Yeah, you, it is. If you look at it the right well, way. It's like a sweet club. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. 
I'm a member of the Sweet Club. Yeah, me too. We get to stay in these like multiple room hotel rooms. <laughs> yeah. One of the initiation procedures in the Sweet Club is you have to sharpen your forearm. Hmm. <laughs> what about you, Riff? You played any video games? Uh, no, but I played a board game. I played a couple rounds of the new uh, uh, <coughs> legacy style game Gloomhaven was funded on Kickstarter and has just come out. Never even heard of this. My game. copy of that arrived, and it's like a 400-pound box. Yeah, it's and massive. I was like, it's you know, huge. It's like I'm not even going to open this. Two game boxes on top of each other. Like, yeah. I, I, I seriously, like, I thought, it's not, this sounds really interesting, and then I, the box showed up, and I'm like, eh, no. You didn't even open the box? No. It's this is, this is okay, so the box is a town? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, there's way too many NPCs in this box. Like, no, I, I am, tell. like, I, I, mean, I don't know why I'm so fascinated that's about this. That's literally true, because there are 17 character classes in that box. Oh, my God. Only <laughs> six of which you start the game with. They're, they all come in little in little sealed packages, and, uh, and most of them are unlocked through gameplay. Wow. I mean, that's probably fine, then. Like, if I can open the box and it just tells me what to do to play this game, then I'm into that. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it would be cool. That's probably it, a thing. How much of the inside of the box do you actually look at, and how much of it is like cordoned off? <laughs> <laughs> maybe if you could, maybe maybe what to, what you do is you get Kevin to open the box and then sort everything out into into discrete little piles for you to consume one at a time. Uh, I'm I'm hoping consume is literal, like in the sense, like you you play the game for a while, game. and then like it tells you to open the MRE, yeah, oh, and just have some crushed. lunch. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah this I is wish. the yeah you said that like Jen Sandercock's game with the food, yeah, yeah. yeah. Graham, Graham crackers. Open package Still. E and put the little piece of paper under your tongue. <laughs> <laughs> How is it? It's uh, it's pretty good. It's a pretty good. Um, uh, sort of simulation of like a GMless Dungeons and Dragons. There, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of uh, a lot of story content and random encounters and a friggin' ton of like individual little games. Each each game session, I guess you'd say, is is sort of a little a small dungeon. It's the game. The moment to moment gameplay is. It's like you know your typical dungeon crawler sort of board game moving your miniatures around on the map uh, and the map is composed of tiles that that lock together and uh but are you playing this solo riff yeah mm-hmm. okay which which is actually it has a, a solo rule but i'll i'll talk about that in a second um but it's got this huge book of like 90 different scenarios and these scenarios are unlocked uh, individually through completing various quests. You start out the main, besides the, the board, the, the tiles that you're actually playing on, it gives you a large cardboard map of, like, the city of, uh, the, uh, uh, uh eponymous, I guess is the word, a uh, city of Gloomhaven and the surrounding lands, but it starts out all blank. And there's like two sheets of stickers that actually have the little map locations on them. And as you discover these places or are told about them or find treasure maps in chests, you put the, you add these stickers to your world map to fill everything in. And each one of these locations is a different, uh, a different game encounter that you play through to unlock more stuff. And, uh, 
I kind of forgotten how I how I started that sentence, <laughs> but uh, it's it's cool. There's a ton of stuff in it. Like I said, there's like what like eleven character classes that you start out not knowing what they are. Uh, every time you create a character, that character gets dealt a random uh, life goal, kinda like a, a long-term goal for that character, which could be like uh, participate in in 15 uh, successful missions or kill th- this list of creatures or, or do this or that. And when you successfully do that, you know, that character's doesn't need to be an adventure anymore. They did what they wanted to do. So that character retires and you have to make a new one. But the bonus for completing these things is usually unlocking a new character class so you're in the position of kind of wanting to start a new character anyway at that point. And mm. there, there's like a, there's also like, a, there's a small book that came in the box that you're not allowed to open until you retire your first character. So I don't know what that's about. <laughs> but yeah, it's neat. There's a ton of stuff. The only thing I would say is that it, it's, it's, it's hard. It seems like a hard game. Um, the solo rules say that it, it, it says if you're playing solo, you should bump up the difficulty a little bit in, in a couple of ways that it says, because, uh, when you're playing with other people, there's an element of uh, hidden information because you're not allowed to be too specific about what cards you're going to play on your turn, uh, which of course that doesn't exist in solo. So it says, all right, so do the monsters you know, one level harder and do the, the traps one level harder. But when I went on board game geek to see if there were any like errata that I needed to, to know about before I started playing, I ran into a thread that was like, Holy shit. Don't, don't use that. (laughs) Don't bump up that difficulty. This game is hard enough. So I was like, okay. And tried it without that difficulty boost. And yeah, I played two games and, won the first one by the skin of my teeth and the second one stopped me into the floor. <laughs> so I don't know about that. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's exciting. It's it's an interesting game. So even when you, given like perfect information as a single player, it's still super hard. Yeah, yeah. Huh. Are you running multiple characters? Yeah. Playing it solo? Okay. Yeah. It's uh, what about- from, from two to four characters slash players so i've been playing three what about you kevin how many characters have you been playing in your solo gloomhaven adventures uh <laughs> i'm mostly uh have been doing mystery hunt prep in my spare time actually sorry one more question riff how long does a single game of it take to play oh well uh i'm not super solid on the rules yet so there's that to factor in but i guess like in 45 minutes to an hour okay it's not so bad. Yeah. Yeah. I've How's been, Mystery Hunt? I've been meaning to submit some puzzles to Mystery Hunt, but everything I've come up with so far has has boiled down to like an elaborate and difficult research task, and I was like, "Ugh, that sucks." <laughs> so I haven't been submitting That's, any of them. You should just submit your ideas. Let the let the editors. What if I just submit a cupcake recipe? Yeah. <laughs> just let the editors decide whether or not that's appropriate. And the if puzzle you, is to find the missing good. ingredient. Thumbtacks. Thumbtacks. <laughs> uh, we did uh, we did a couple of playtests of our uh, of some metas this past week, so we're chugging along. We've got 
10 months to go before mystery hunt time passes real freaking fast yeah that's it no video games uh nothing i mean i continue to play a little bit of uh deus ex uh so I just want to reiterate for the listeners that your reward for being first place in the mystery mm-hmm. hunt is to not it's, be able to play job. any video games for the next year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's weird. I have yeah, I've, I've got a conference call every week. I've got another. I've oh my got god! Two new slacks to be in because of it. It's oh, a pair of slacks. A pair of slacks. <laughs> yeah, it's it's yeah. There's a lot of work. Well, we're sort of running out of time here too. So should we talk about our assignment, Oiko Spiel? Sure. sure. What a this weird game, game is not for me. Yeah, <laughs> I was... and it's like specifically like like I am bad at this game. Mm-hmm. So like yeah. after the like the intro stuff, like when I became the chicken, I was like, huh. Let me. I'll, I'm gonna turn around. and I'm gonna go like towards this fence. I jumped over the fence and then spent about 45 minutes just wandering through like kind of an empty world. And I was like, is this the game? <laughs> and then I was like, yeah, this it's a game is that's real easy the... to break. <laughs> game yeah. and so then i like reset the chapter and i was like oh no i was supposed to have like 10 seconds as the chicken <laughs> and i was like oh man and then and then it happened again like about 30 minutes later when i became the bear and i was like oh did you and i just started wa- wandering did you around drop your like, glass bear through the world the way i did did you know i the wrong key <laughs> like I, did? I didn't i walked i walked, jumped over a, a rock and then was again in this like yeah, for like this, half this an hour i was like doesn't put up barriers to you going off into the wilderness but it was not like really clear to me that i had made an error right because everything in the game looks like such Mm -hmm. unintentional randomly thrown together shit that you can't tell whether you're playing the game or or just doing whatever happens in a unity game when you leave the scene like Oh, God, I hate this so much, Jim. <laughs> I kind well, of, you I kind of so. enjoyed <laughs> it in that sort of weird, I don't know, just wandering around looking at weird bullshit thing that I kind of like doing. But Did right. you finish it, Jim? No, I, I probably, um, I think I got like a third of the way through. Mm. And it, it, it really is, like the gameplay is figuring out how, how to, to trigger to the, the next. next scene. Yeah, And it, it really is just like, Nothing interesting has happened in the past few minutes. I'm going the wrong way. You know, you okay. go towards the, like you, you go towards the what what looks promising to you. Um, and if weird shit happens, you did something right. Okay. You know, I loved Sonic Dreams Collection. Right. I I enjoyed that a lot. Yeah. And I really really appreciate it. And that I think is the same spirit as this game but there was care taken in the execution whereas this honest to god seems like well, the majority the majority of their time was spent tr- making shit work worse than standard unity <laughs> like camera controls and first person controllers and stuff I, I feel like the the difference there is that sonic dream collection is like five games that are two minutes each um and this game is like trying to be like i think it's i think like a playthrough is like five hours something like that wow yeah. Uh Jesus. Um Sonic Dreams I felt like was a, setting up a bunch of jokes. Yeah. In various places and I at least I didn't have not really encountered any jokes except for maybe the like credits that scroll by too fast to read that so, might have been funny. Like, I couldn't there, really tell. There's there's a point where you like um you enter like the the um physical offices of a development studio 
staffed by dogs. Okay. And then you read the correspondence between the dogs and the publisher who about the game that you are playing right now, about like the development right. issues and like this game that, t- that takes a hundred years to make. Right. And there, I, I'd never found a punchline. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but it, it does feel like a joke to me. Yeah. It does feel like it's intentionally like huh. a an amusing thing. Because like it's setting up this sort of weird meta narrative of like this is this is the de- developer diary of like planning to make a video game in fifteen years we'll make the first chapter and like like it, it so strangely structured narratively on yeah. top of already being a weird and experience. just aggressively unpleasant like the. Hey, have you guys have you guys all read Harrison Bergeron? Yeah. Okay, so Harrison Bergeron is about this. It's a Kurt Vonnegut short story about a sort of a dystopian future where everyone is made equal. It's political correctness run amok, and if you're pretty, they put an ugly mask on you, and if you're athletic or or lithe or agile, they they strap weights to you to make you as slow as everybody else, and if you're smart. They put a radio in your ear that constantly plays annoying sounds to make it so you're stupid. And that is what the fucking soundtrack of this game was. <laughs> like, it was ju- it was as though it was just calculated to be as unpleasant and as disruptive as possible. And hmm. what was it important to the artistic vision of this game that the camera constantly clipped through the fucking ground? <laughs> like, I would argue, if so, fuck you. <laughs> Like I like this game made me so angry, Jim. I I hate feeling this way. <laughs> I hate feeling this way about art. It, art art's purpose is to evoke an emotion. <sighs> <laughs> so like, did you did, feel like it was careless? Did you feel like yes, it was... absolutely careless. Hmm. Like I either either careless or all of the care that was taken was spent making it more unpleasant. And. Like, I bet, oh, wouldn't it be hilarious if every scene transition took 30 seconds for no fucking reason? <laughs> yeah, that, great. Ha ha. Joke's on me, I guess. I don't remember that part. The, where Every fucking time and you go from one scene to another, it's like, here's a full screen shader with some annoying sizzling noises where there's just like a kaleidoscope as it takes fucking 30 seconds to fade between two screens. Like, uh, yeah, I don't remember it taking that long. Uh, no, that might be loading time or something. It's probably not 30 seconds, but it's probably 10 seconds. It's Yeah, yeah like, uh, this is definitely a game that, like, I played, uh, so I played it for, like, an hour and a half, um, and I feel like I was making, you know, re- like, it was, I was never clear on how to advance to the next part of the game, yeah. but I would always do it you know, in a reasonable amount of time, except that like the last half hour of that hour and a half was all stuck on one level. Okay. Right. So we, yeah, we all kind of had the same sort of experience. I got, yeah. Uh, I couldn't continue. So I, and I, I, I think that's stuck. like just kind of part and parcel of playing a game that is, so there's this whole, there's a movement that isn't really getting much traction that developers like, the idea that, that polish isn't important. Yeah. And I think that I would love for this to be true, but I just, I mm. can't really appreciate, like, I appreciate games like this um, that 
Like I can tell that like the, a bunch of work went into this, but not not like AAA polish work, right. not that sort of thing. Um, and I appreciate these games, and I appreciated this game, but also like it's really hard for me to say that this is a game for like a you know a person <laughs> to enjoy. The I think there's a difference between polishing a game as a piece of software and polishing a game as a piece of art. Hmm. And I definitely like. I I agree with you that the idea of not having to polish a game as a piece of art is interesting and could be freeing, but not polishing a game as a piece of software is just, like, hostile to the user. Yeah, I think that's the problem with that idea, is that, like, oh, if it just breaks, then that's not a good experience. I mean, like, the... Bubsy thing. I mean, I, I, I keep going back to arcane kids on this and like, I mean, I guess you're right that there are less sprawling experiences, but like just the camera works. Yeah. You know, the music is maybe goofy, but it's not just annoying noise. Yeah. Like, and it's not like annoying noise in that like I'm an old man and rock and roll is just annoying <laughs> noise because distortion is bad for guitars. It's like literally. I don't know if it's just randomly selecting random length clips from 40 different songs and sound effect loops and abruptly shifting between them, but it might as well be for like just aggressively unpleasant. Yeah. Well, uh, (laughs) we should probably, we should probably mention our assignment for next week, uh, which is antigrams. Yeah. It's an iOS game uh, by Frank Lance and some other people. Um, it's about not making words. Yeah. It's a very, to me, it is a very interesting game yeah. that is, it takes a skill set that I have that I'm pretty good at and asks me to invert it. Uh, so it's like you're tra- every, every sort of screen is play letter tiles. And if at any point your letter tiles contain an anagram of a four or more letter word, you lose that round. Wow. So, and then it starts putting constraints on like, this one has to have two vowels in it, or this letter has to be from this column of the stack or whatever. And yeah. when you fail or when you run out of letters, it, it repopulates the board. And if the board fills up, you lose. It's very simple. Um, there's, there's a lot going on. It gets, and it gets more and more uh, complicated as, as yeah. you progress. It's, um, that's a really neat so idea. We should, we should play it. And there are not very it. many people playing it. And that makes me sad because yeah. it's, it's neat. It's like orders of magnitude fewer people than played Frank Lance's other game that I know about, which was Drop Seven, which right. is crazy successful. But I, this one is, which it just maybe this uh, didn't needs an arg to be part of. Was did Drop Seven have an arg? It was. It was originally. It was part, part of, of an. Arg. Oh right, for like that. It was developed for like a TV show. I think Numbers or something. Right, right, right. Anyway, uh, yeah, <laughs> Antigrams is pretty good. We don't. I mean, are we just out of time? Because yes. we don't have to stop talking about. Yeah, it is. It is twelve thirty. Yeah, I should. I need to head out. I've got co-working to get to. Yeah, sorry for the abbreviated. Uh, uh, join me for Tuesday co-working at the Maid if this podcast is released in the next, you know, five hours. Are you going to play any more Oikospiel? Uh, I might. Okay. If you find anything good in there, tell me about it. Uh, there was. Uh, there was this. They 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 quote the three D model of the um the Kokiri village from Ocarina yeah. of Time, just, like, ripped it right out of the N64 ROM and included it in the game. Did you say they quote it? Yeah, that's what I said. Okay. I, because I'm trying to evoke, like, fair use. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which I have no idea if it actually is. 
There's but a, it might be. a desk you can find with a bunch of full entire books you can read on it. <laughs> like you can read all of Frankenstein. <laughs> <laughs> it's a three gig game. Yeah. Lots of lots of stuff in this game. Yeah. It's a big game. <laughs> lots of annoying shocked. sounds. Mm-hmm. Yep. <sighs> I liked Spiel a lot. I like the audacity of it. But I can't recommend it to anybody. Yeah, <laughs> and I feel like if I went to a if I went to a stage show that was a lot of annoying noise and people doing crazy random shit and pushing random props around, I would really enjoy that. But like, if you can't if part leave of this stage if, show until you find the, yeah, if if part yeah. of that experience was okay, so w- you're going to need to build your own chair before you watch this stage show, and here is. Uh, like however much popcorn you want to build a chair with, like that's. It's okay. So it's going like, to be a beanbag uh, okay. chair. Okay. Um, well. Oh, but every fortieth piece of popcorn is actually a shard of glass. Uh, <laughs> Just fucking sit on some glass, man. Suck it up. Okay. <laughs> All right, I'm out of here, you guys. Bye. Um, have fun talking about Hearthstone. Uh, oh, thanks. Uh, thanks very much to our Patreon backers. Uh, sorry again for the the. the I, I guess this is not actually that much shorter than normal shows. It just feels rushed because it would have been longer. Uh, but we'll yeah, have more stuff to talk about the next G- time. The post GDC show. Yeah, it's yeah. the problem. That's the problem with GDC, and we're about to go to PAX East. So come see us at PAX East. Um, yeah. Uh, gentlemen, I've had a great time recording this episode of Video Games Hot Talk. I hope to do it again real soon. And listeners, I hope you join us. And until you do, cockabooba balaya. Good night. Bye. Have a great week, everybody.